0: welcome to the vineyard church podcast for more information visit us at vkcwest.com all right thank you well good morning I'm glad to be here today. Happy Mother's Day. And I was thinking, uh, actually, this is our friendiversary. If you guys have been here for a while, I think last year on Mother's Day was the first time that uh, Cody showed a video uh, and I got to join you through teaching last Mother's Day. And so this time I get to be here in person. It's our one-year friendiversary and also, more importantly, Mother's Day. But um I thought I should share a little bit about our family. Uh, our kids are in nursery right now. So Elle is four. She's in preschool, our daughter. And Cross is one, and he's our son. My husband's name's Jared. He's here today. And we live in Smithville, Missouri. So we're on the Missouri side, about 25 minutes north of Kansas City, Missouri. And Um, We enjoy sports, we're sports people, we like playing sports, we like coaching sports, watching sports. Um, I give private softball lessons. I've been a softball coach for a long time. So all things sports. And we like spending time together as a family. Like our kids are at that age where being four and one, they want to be around us all the time, everywhere we go. And we're soaking it up because I've worked with teenagers for the last like 15 years. And I know that it will not always be like this. So um, we are just spending as much time as we can together as a family right now during this sweet season. So um, Cody asked if I would come and just share an encouraging word for Mother's Day with you today. And so I thought, well, in the spirit of encouragement, let's talk about trust issues. I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. (laughs) Uh, but I do want to start kind of in a place where I had a moment with the Lord about a year ago right now. So Mother's Day looked a lot different last year, if you remember. Uh, Lockdown had been in place for about a month and I was having a moment, just some quiet time in the morning with the Lord. And I was scrolling through my phone, trying to find scripture that I was looking for. And you know how sometimes it happens when you use the Bible app? That's why I, I like the hard copy version of the Bible. Like an alert comes up on your phone and then all of a sudden you're like, I was with the Lord and now I'm on a news outlet reading more depressing things. And then it just hooks you. Does that ever happen to you? And so before you know it, I was just in this place of negativity and confusion and you know, we were right in the middle of navigating the beginning months of COVID in our country. And it was just, it was depressing. Uh, it was scary. There was a lot of uncertainty. And I, I sat there and I just went, can we take anyone at their word anymore? Like, how do I even know what of this is true and what is not? I don't know if you've experienced that in the last year where you've just been like, can it be as simple as it is or it isn't? Is there anyone that when they speak, I can just take them at their word? And I wanted to throw my phone across the room, but I did not uh, because I was having time with Jesus originally, remember? And so I, I was sitting there, and about that time, a song came across my phone. Um, fun fact about me you guys don't know very much since we've only been friends for a year now, but I listen to hymns every morning. I, it might look like I'm in my thirties, but my soul is like 90. It just, it has been for a really long time. It's who I am. I've stopped resisting it. Um, I listen to hymns every morning because uh, I don't have, I don't see anything wrong with like the worship music we listen to and worship to right now, but there's just something really pure and simple about taking my heart back to the place I was when I gave my life to Jesus like 25 years ago. Like every day, um, I just like starting my heart from this posture of this place of not forgetting this childlike faith that I had in my like tiny, small farm town Baptist church growing up. And so uh, I I start my mornings in that place and uh, picture all of the 60, 70 year old people that I grew up around me and my family. And I was doing that that morning before I got derailed by the chaos on my phone. And as I was listening in frustration, um, as I was reading, here are the words that came on the song. You've probably heard it before. It said, "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus, just to take him at his word.'" Just to rest upon his promise, just to know, just saith the Lord. And I've heard that song hundreds of times in my life, but it it hit different that day. It hit different that day because I was sitting there and I was like, Lord, you know, even in this time of great uncertainty, even in this time of fear, and I feel really out of control of what's going on. There are an abundance of your promises and your word for me to rest on. And I cannot imagine what it would be like to walk through this life without being able to know just saith the Lord means something. It means something that there is one that we can take at his word. And Um, I started just thinking about and journaling the way that, like, you know, God's promises, when it says we can rest on his promises, God's promises of his word, they're like soft pillows of rest for our weary souls. That's what we can do. We can rest on them. We don't have to lean on our own understanding. We don't have to lean on our own uncertainty or control. God's promises are rest for our souls. And I remember talking to my husband that day at lunch, and I was like, I just am so thankful that we can put our trust in Jesus. I'm so thankful that there's one whose promises are true. And uh, I I want us to just pause right now as we enter our uh, Bible reading today and our message. I want us to pause because I know online and in a room— with people coming from all different backgrounds and life experiences and stories. You're looking for a promise to rest on in some way, in some form. The Lord knows what's on your heart. He knows what Mother's Day means to you. For some of you, today's a day of great celebration. Maybe a little exhausted because of the season of life you're in. Maybe you have little ones for some of you, it's a day of grief and it's, it's about what you're missing or what you don't have. And so I want us to just pause for a moment and we're just going to invite the Lord uh, to just speak to our hearts so personally as we dive into his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you that no matter where each of us are standing at, You give us your promises to stand on. Lord, will you move? Will you speak? God, will you give each individual listening today a promise to cling to? Lord, your word is full of them. Will you speak directly and specifically to our hearts today, Lord? I pray that you meet each one of these people where they're at, with your rest for their soul. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to be reading a story in the book of John today. So if you have your Bible or you pull it up on your app, don't get distracted, but go ahead and pull it up. We're going to be in John chapter four. We're going to be starting in verse 46. And I'd like to just work through a story with you. As I was praying and asking, Lord, what do you want us to talk about? I felt like he said, I want you to talk about taking me at my word. And uh, as I was studying, this is the story that I landed on. And I'll give you a little context while you're finding John chapter four, verse 46. In this story, uh, Jesus had just arrived in Galilee. OK, so just to kind of set the scene for you, uh, they had seen everything that he'd done in Jerusalem, And so they're welcoming him, and they had observed all the things that had happened at the Passover Passover festival, and there's a father that's going to enter the story here at the beginning, and I want you to pay close attention because he's not just a father, but he's a royal official. Verse 46 is where we're going to start. It says, once more, he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. And when this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. In verse 48, Jesus responds, Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. So at this point, the royal official is pleading with him and he says, sir, come down before my child dies. So here we are. Uh, We have a father who is about 20 miles away from home. And this father isn't just a father. He's a royal official and his son is going to die. So a royal official would mean uh, he's a Roman official. And that would mean that legally he is in authority over Jesus. This means that Jesus would just be another person off the street in his world right now. And you can imagine as a parent, the place of desperation and fear this man must be in to know that his son is close to death. I could not even imagine. And so he's seeking Jesus and he's begging him. He wants Jesus to come with him, to come and heal his son before he dies. And as he's begging Jesus to come with him, I think it's very important for us as parents to just pause and understand the humbling that is taking place of this father and this royal official. If you look back in verse 49, and I'm reading from the NIV version did you notice that the royal official calls Jesus Sir? When he pleads with him to come with him to heal his son, he calls Jesus Sir. And Sir is one of the three ways that we translate the Greek word Kyrios. Kyrios is a word that started off as actually a secular word. And uh, it was a word given to like the king or the master. This is making a political statement. And in some of the Bible translations, as you're reading, some of you might be looking through and you're like, mine doesn't say sir. Mine actually says that this royal official addressed Jesus as Lord. This word sir, uh, often it can be used the word curios. Uh, Is the way that it started out. And as you look through different translations and have an understanding of how that looks in the scripture all the way through the New Testament, when Paul is using that word in Philippians 2, he's speaking of the way that we call Jesus Lord of our life. It's no longer just a political statement. It's no longer just saying master or king. It's saying king of kings, Lord of lords. And so there's a great humbling that is happening and taking place. This royal official is approaching Jesus. He's removing himself from a place of Savior. He knows he can do nothing to save his son's life. He's going to get in the presence of the one he's hoping can. And he's seeking Jesus in humility. You know, I don't know if you've experienced this or not, if you're a parent, but parenting is humbling in itself, isn't it? it is if you're if you're a parent and you've experienced how humbling it is you've also learned like don't resist it just submit to it let it happen do not try to resist it if you are not a parent yet this is your parenting advice for someday. just allow it to sanctify you and change you and humble you do not try to resist it and um, I actually really love that about parenting I love that uh Parenting levels the playing field for all of us, doesn't it? Because parenting does not care how many degrees hang in your office. It does not care how successful you are in the business world. It does not care how many accolades that you have displayed and are proud of. It levels the playing field for all of us because the truth is when you become a parent, <laughs> you're just waking up every day at the mercy of God. And you're, you're saying, Lord, I'm just asking you to fill me with your direction and your wisdom. And please, please pour out the grace for all the places that I fall short. And that's just what it is, a, a, this rhythm every day of removing ourselves from being the Savior. And as followers of Jesus, when we remove ourselves from the seat of Savior, when we humble ourselves and we seek Jesus as Lord of our lives. We're not just seeking him as savior and Lord of our life. We're actually asking him to be savior of everything that we've been given to steward during our time here on earth. He becomes savior of our finances, of the way we spend our time and our schedules, the way we use our gifts and even our kids. I'd like to talk to the women in here for just a second. I mean, men, this might be for you too. I don't know. That's up to the Lord. But uh, I tend to see this a lot in women, like the moms and grandmas and spiritual mothers. I feel like the Lord, in the beautiful way that He's wired us to just have this maternal nurturing instinct, to want to just care and, and protect and and just watch out for the well-being of so many. I feel like there are times in that believing and knowing that we've been wired to do so can actually easily end up becoming us feeling like we need to be the Savior. We can somehow find ourselves in a role of of needing to be the savior for our families or feeling like we need to be the ones who hold it all together or things would just fall apart if we weren't on top of being the role of savior for our families. Now, no one would say it out loud. If I were to ask you, do you feel like you're the savior of your family? Are you the one holding on together? You'd say, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I would never take the role of Jesus in my family's life. That is reserved for the King of Kings. But in our actions, and in our worries and the things that keep us up at night, there can be these places in our heart where sometimes we wonder if it's true. And I, I want to share a little bit, uh, you know, a couple of years ago, I was speaking at a women's conference. It was an overnight retreat. And I actually attended this same retreat for the second time last week. And every time so far that I've been there, the last two times, I have heard endless amounts of stories the first night that we're there. Mind you, the first night, the only night. It's only a one-night overnight retreat. When the women get there, I hear endless amounts of stories of women going, yeah, I just almost didn't come because I felt so guilty about leaving my family overnight. I almost didn't come because I was just so worried. I didn't want my husband to feel overwhelmed about having to pick out clothes for the kids. And he had to take them to soccer and T-ball. And then he had to take them to a birthday party. And I just almost didn't come. And I just have a lot of guilt that I did come. And I heard these stories the the first time uh, two years ago. And then last week I heard them again. But you know what else I heard? The second day, as the women were leaving and they were sharing what God did in their heart, I heard women who had been filled up in ways they had no idea they needed to be filled up. I heard women who were sharing stories of what God did in their heart, the the way that he brought hope and peace and a supernatural energy they hadn't had for a long time. And now they were going back to their families filled up to minister out of the overflow of that. And so I felt so compelled to tell you today, as I experienced that, moms, women, neglecting your need for solitude or getting in the presence of a Savior will not make your family feel any more loved. I just want you to know that. And trying to be the Savior of your family will not make you a more honorable woman or a more admirable mother, it will only make you tired. So tired. I don't wanna just speak to women um, in this next part, because the truth is, as you've been listening, and I said, if the Lord wanted to, he could talk to men too, that's up to him. But it's not just being a mom that we tend to want to assume this role of savior. Guys, I've had to relinquish um, being the Savior as an older sibling so many times in my life. I've had to relinquish being the Savior of teenagers that I've loved and mentored for a long time. I've had to relinquish and let go and, of being the Savior of church staff. It, it's The list goes on. And I believe sometimes it's very important for us to acknowledge that sometimes our actual like swooping in and rescuing of people can be the very thing that keeps them from falling on their face and seeing the need for a savior in their life. When we're trying to play God and he's going, just open your hands, sometimes things have to crumble for someone to acknowledge their need for me. And uh, as we're thinking about this father today, you can imagine the humbling of himself that had to happen because positionally of his authority. Uh, but also, I want us to look and see what happens and the f- decision that he's faced with when Jesus responds to him. So go ahead and take a look at verse 50. You remember, he he's done the work. He, he's gone to Jesus. He's 20 miles from home. He's done the work of seeking Jesus, begging him to come with him, taking himself out of this place of savior. He's laid his request at Jesus's feet. And here's Jesus's response in verse 50. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. Jesus says, go. And the man is left with a choice. And what does scripture say that he does? It says, the man took Jesus at his word and departed. Here's a father 20 miles away from home, pursuing the one that he believes needs to come with him to give his son a chance to live. And Jesus' response is, go, your son's going to live. And scripture says that the man departs and took Jesus at his word. I don't know about you, but if this story was about me, it would probably say, and then the woman said, Can I get that in writing? <laughs> it, if, if this story was about me, it would be like, Great. Jesus, could you just come with me and lay hands for a little extra assurance? I'm certain that uh, I'd like to say I'd have enough faith to just depart. But I know if I was in a place of desperation one of my babies was about to die, there's a chance I would go back to assuming that role of savior real quick and try to manipulate and do anything that I could to get what I thought my son needed. But this father, in this moment, he has an opportunity to choose to take Jesus at his word. And he leaves. You know, when we take ourselves out, of being the savior. When we take ourselves, we remove ourselves from the seat of being savior. We're not just laying our stuff at the feet of Jesus. That doesn't just mean we're now in a place where we seek Jesus to surrender our stuff. We also must come prepared to submit to his response. When we go before Jesus with our requests, when we go before Jesus as savior of our life, that also means that we now go to him fully prepared to walk out obedience to what he responds. And sometimes is not what we think. And sometimes it's certainly not what we prayed. And it might not look the way we thought it was going to. Maybe you've had a time like this in your prayer life. Maybe you've had a time when you've gone to the Lord in prayer or in surrender and you've been like, All right, Lord, that's it. I'm throwing my hands up. I'm at the end of myself. I surrender to you. I'm done trying to do it my way. I'm giving you control. I'm fully giving it over to you. Now, I'm going to go ahead and let you know exactly how I need things to go. And here is my prayer. Lord, I'm at the end of myself. I've given it to you. Now I'm going to proceed and pray down to the detail of what needs to happen. Amen. <laughs> Have you ever had a time like that when you prayed? You're like praying as if you're ordering at a restaurant, right? You're praying down to the detail. Any of you high maintenance people at restaurants where you're like, I want my fries extra crispy because life's too short for soggy fries. If I wanted soggy fries, I'd order mashed potatoes. I don't want any pink in my burger. The way that we go about praying to the Lord sometimes, it's like, all right, Lord, I'm done. I'm, I'm trusting what you have for me. But then also I have a very specific list of things that I really know are what the will for my life are. And so I'm going to need you to just deliver. And then what happens sometimes in our prayer life? What happens when we give our extensive list of the way things should go, sometimes the response doesn't come back the way we thought it would. I've decided there's a couple different kinds of people in the world, by the way, uh, when it comes to ordering and like the way your food comes back. Uh, Like one person, maybe you're in the, the category where you're like me, where if your food comes back from the server when you're at a restaurant eating and it's not what you ordered, you'll just politely say, Oh, excuse me. Uh, this isn't what I ordered, right? How many of you are like that? Anybody, like the people who are like, I'm not going to eat it. Are, are there any of you who are like, I just don't say anything and I eat it whenever the server brings food back? And you're just like, I'm, I'm hungry. I don't care. I don't have time, right? <laughs> My husband is like that. And we've had times when the server brings back That's clearly someone else's order. Clearly nothing like what he ordered. And I'll be looking at him like, are you going to say anything? Nothing. And then on top of that, you know how the server comes back, uh, always checks on you. And she's like, did everything come out okay? (laughs) I've heard my husband say this before. Oh, more than okay. It's great. Thank you. And I'm standing, I'm sitting and I'm just like, Um, help me understand how things can be more than okay when they're wrong. I don't, I know I need Jesus. I really, I know I need more of of the Holy Spirit to help deal with that, but I'm like, it, it, it can't be more than okay. It's wrong. They got it wrong. So, um, but you know, I've heard more than once Jared's response to me be, everything's good here. You can't go wrong. And you know, I think there's something in that for us as followers of Jesus. Because when we're going to the Lord and we're saying, Lord, I just know this isn't the direction you had for my life. Lord, I just know this isn't the way you wanted this to plan out. And He comes back and responds with, This is my will for now, this is it. I think we have to go before the Lord and go, God, how may my response to you always be? Yes, Lord, it's more than okay. It's not more than okay because it didn't hurt. Not because it didn't make me feel really uncomfortable. Not because it didn't cause a lot of pain, but it's more than okay. Your response and your will for my life will always be more than okay because I know you are a God who is more than abundant. You are a God who does more than redeem even things that are meant for evil. You are more than faithful. And I'm so challenged by that as a follower of Jesus because uh, if I'm being honest with you, I have to learn this lesson repeatedly. In the last year, our family has had to learn this lesson over and over and over about what it means to truly relinquish the response that we get when we feel like we already know the direction that life should go. Um, about a year ago, a little over a year ago specifically, um, we had our son. So our son was born the day after Christmas, uh, 2019. So before 2020 blew up and got crazy, the day after Christmas, 2019, we brought home our, our son. And uh, we were home for two weeks. And then about the time, the weekend, right before he turned two weeks old, he just had some respiratory stuff. And I could tell like he was breathing fast and it was very worrisome. But I didn't quite know if it was like worrisome enough to take him in. And he had his appointment, like his two-week checkup was on Monday. And so I thought, well, I'm going to call the nurse hotline. So I called the nurse hotline and I asked her, like told her the symptoms he had. And she said, I don't don't think you need to bring him in. Just watch for these things. And so I proceeded to watch him all weekend and uh, things didn't get better. Like his little chest was like breathing very heavy and quickly. And I was starting to get worried, but this was the middle of the night into Monday morning. So we were headed to the doctor first thing Monday morning for his two week checkup. And so I found myself like sitting on my bed with my Bible open, my husband next to me sleeping, And, uh, I'm like praying out loud just over this little baby in the bassinet. And I'm like praying healing over his little body. And I'm like declaring Psalms over him. And I am just, I'm saying, Lord, I need you to heal him. Like I am scared. You know how much scarier it is when they're tiny, right? Like when your kids get sick, it's, it's always like a bummer. But when they're really tiny, you know how fragile they seem. Any of you have ever had babies? You're like, Ah, oh, they're just so helpless, and uh, that was my first experience with that. And so uh, I'm very afraid, but I am like declaring truth, and I am and speaking healing over his body. And about thirty minutes into this, my prayer time, so I'm going before the Lord, just giving cross to the Lord. Uh, I hear the Holy Spirit just prompt me so clearly and say, "Go pack your hospital bags." And I was like, what? No, no, I said, heal him. And I overwhelmingly felt like I was supposed to go pack my hospital bags. And so I had a moment, like I was speaking of earlier for a little bit, where I was wrestling and I was back and forth. And I'm like, no, 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 nope. You're, I have someone else's order. I have someone else's order. You're not, we have a bad connection maybe, Lord. I, I know I'm tired. It's three in the morning, but like, You're not understanding. And after a while, I kept digging in. I kept reading his word. I kept listening. And I just felt God say, your son's going to be okay. I'm going with you. Go pack your hospital bag so your husband is not freaking out and overwhelmed (laughs) later today. And so I'm like, you know, it was already in a place of like postpartum, hormones and exhaustion. And I'm like basically a zombie packing hospital bags at three in the morning, quietly trying not to wake up the baby and the husband. And, and sure enough, we get to the pediatrician the next morning and she takes one look at him and she takes his oxygen levels and she calls the ambulance And I look at my husband immediately and I I did not tell him about the hospital bags because I didn't want to sound crazy. Like I already was in, you know, postpartum stuff. And I'm like, I'm not going to tell him I'm doing this. I'm just going to do it just in case. Like maybe I heard the Lord wrong, you know? And, um, so as she's saying, sir, you can go home. Maybe, you know, she's telling Jared, go home and grab some things for the hospital. Your wife can ride with cross in the ambulance. And so then I look at my husband and I'm like, I already packed the hospital bags. And uh it was like this moment of like, I could tell he looked at me and kind of went, you know, 11 years ago, I would have been shocked by that. But like, of course you did. Of course the hospital bags were already packed. And so there was just this moment of peace and you guys, I'm not even kidding you. I cannot describe it. It was the most supernatural, like, peaceful time in my life. Like the doctors were like consoling me, but there was nothing to console, you know, like the doctors and the paramedics. I almost felt guilty because like being, it was like, I was like, they're going to think I'm a bad mom. Like I don't even care about my kid. And they were like, so we're going to go at the ambulance and pair. They were saying like paramedics and oxygen. We're going to take them to the NICU. And I'm like, yeah, okay, that's great. Honey, you go get the bags. I'll meet you there. It was an out of body experience. And I just had, This peace in my heart of being like the Lord saw me at three in the morning. I was with him. I was seeking him. This isn't what I planned for. But I had this assurance that he was with me and that I could trust him. And so uh, 10 days later, we spent 10 isolating days in the NICU, me and Cross, just the two of us. And not many people were allowed back there. And uh, it was not fun. I don't want to stand here and be like, and so it was great. God gave me peace about it. Um, I never like didn't have peace. I didn't, it's not that I had like this feeling that something was going to happen to my son, but I'll tell you, it was isolating and hard by myself in that NICU, watching my little baby go through like that. And they they decided it was RSV. And so it was just a long process of getting him to breathe on his own. But can I tell you looking back and being able to tell that story and sharing that testimony of the way that the lord meets us in our hard moments of seeking him on behalf of our kids even when it's not what we expect his response to be we have this peace and assurance that he is with us the lord is always giving us promises to stand on there were scripture that the lord put on my heart that in the middle of the night that i prayed those entire 10 days in the hospital, over and over, there were promises and I just rested on them. I I couldn't even speak anything else, but I just spoke those words out loud over and over all day long. The nurses must have thought I was loony and I don't care, but I was resting on the promises he gave me. And the testimony of that, I've told that story several times in the last year, the testimony of that is what people need to know that we serve a living God. That it's not just for the hyper-spiritual people who are like, oh, God speaks to me. No, God is living, so of course he speaks to us. And he does that through his word and through the posture of our heart when we are seeking him and relinquishing whatever his response may be. When we wake up every day, Lord, Lord, I just want to empty myself of my own will. I want to empty myself of my own will and I want to live for your will. And this father, as we read in this story today, the end of this story is actually an exclamation point. I want us to read together what happens because the story isn't over when the father takes Jesus at his word. This is what happens on his way home. In verse 51, the father was on his way home and his servants met him. They met him with the news that his boy was living. And when he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus had said to him, your son will live. And so he and his whole household believed. You know what I love about that last part of the passage is, you know, scripture doesn't have to include that the son was healed at the exact time as Jesus spoke the word. But it does. And I love that. I love that about God's word. And I don't know if this uh, promise is for you today. I don't know if this word is for you today, but God is always right on time. He's not early, he doesn't need to be, he's not late. He is always right on time. We had a father who chose to humble himself, remove himself from the seat of Savior, seek Jesus. Submit to his response, and the ripple effects of that story are eternal. An entire household believed. I don't know what brought you here today, but I have two questions for you. And the first is what kind of season are you standing in right now? It might be that you're standing in a place of constant intercession on behalf of someone you love. You might be in a season of celebration or exhaustion. Maybe uncertainty. Maybe you're in a season of waiting. And the second question I want to ask you, and I just want you to allow the Lord to speak to your heart, is what are you choosing to rest on? What are you resting on? What kind of season are you standing in and what are you choosing to rest on? Because here's what I know. We don't always get to choose the seasons that we stand in. Wherever you're standing at, we don't always get to choose where we're standing at, but we always get to choose what we stand on. And I don't know if what you're standing on is your own control or your own fear, or your own pride, or your own understanding. But I know, and I know, and I know that wherever you're standing at, the only solid, unshakable, certain foundation to stand on are the promises of God. And He's got one for you every single moment of your life. Wherever you're at, there is a promise that you can rest on. Thanks for listening this week. If you are looking for ways to serve, give, or get connected, go to vkcwest.com.